everyone to HalloweenHaunts365.com, the podcast. I'm Jared. Hi, I'm Terry. Good morning. Today, we have a two-part episode. One, this is a sponsored episode brought to you from a Friday the 13th mini convention that takes place Friday, May 13th, Saturday, May 14th in Blairstown, New Jersey. This is the first convention I've seen where they actually have it at a shooting location. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And we have a video right now we could play. The website to purchase tickets is f13minicon.eventbrite.com and I'll leave a link in the description so you can do that. But let's take a look at the video. Save the date! Friday the 13th, May 2022, the only Friday the 13th of the year. Yours truly, Jimmy J, and the Horror 365 team are coming back to Blairstown. And for what? The first ever Friday the 13th Minicon, all hosted by the Blairstown Diner. Guys, girls, Horrors, tickets are on sale next Thursday, January 13th. Stay tuned. More announcements are coming your way for another killer time in Blairstown. We'll see you there. All right. That looks pretty dope. It does. Sadly, we'll be on our honeymoon, so we're going to have to miss this one. Oh, darn. <laughs> You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Well, also, we have some haunt stuff coming up. Yay. We have Valentine's Day coming to our haunted attractions. Field of Screams will be holding one. Let's take a look at that video now. pretty cool she is so creepy <laughs> that's awesome i know and feel the screams isn't alone brighton asylum is also doing a valentine's day one let's check out that video awesome pretty awesome their uh their off season events are usually pretty good we enjoy them we have a good time now let us go into our episode tonight we're going to be reviewing and deep diving into a nightmare on elm street 5 the dream child i don't know why but we are here is <laughs> the trailer all right the trailer looked a lot better than the movie was this has always been my one of my least favorites of the Nightmare movies. Mine too. It's a weird movie. We actually found a couple plot holes after rewatching it. So, let's dive deep into 
The plot! In June 1989, a year after the previous film, Alice and Dan started dating, and there was no sign of Freddy Krueger. One dial, one dial, <laughs> Jesus. One day, while taking a shower after having sex with Dan, well, yeah, she has a vision of herself dressed in a nun's habit with a name tag saying Amanda Krueger at a strange asylum. She is attacked by patients at the hospital but wakes up. The next day, Alice is graduating from high school alongside her new friends Greta, an aspiring but reluctant supermodel. I wouldn't call her a supermodel, but she was okay. Mark, a comic book fan, and Yvonne, a hospital volunteer and swimmer. Or a diver. Yeah. Alice confides her nightmare to Dan, who tells her she is in control of her dreams. On her way to work, Alice finds herself back at the asylum where she sees Amanda giving birth to a gruesomely deformed baby. Amanda tries to collect the baby before it escapes, but it sneaks out of the operating room. Alice follows the baby into the church where she defeated Freddy in the previous film. The baby finds Freddy's remains and quickly grows into an adult, hinting to Alice that he has found a key to coming back. Alarmed, she contacts Dan, who falls asleep en route to see her. Freddy attacks and electrocute Dance, turning him into a frightful creature before veering him into oncoming traffic. Alice sees Dan's body come to life and taunt her before she faints. Waking in a hospital, she hears the news of Dan's death and she is pregnant with his child. In the night, she is visited by a young boy named Jacob, but the next day, Yvonne tells her there's no children on her floor, nor is there a children's ward. Well, Dan got the need for speed... Yeah, it, it was it was a cool nightmare. One of the better ones in this one, because there's no stop animation. Yes. <sighs> we'll get into all that after this. Alice tells her friends about Freddy and his lineage. Yvonne refuses to listen, but Mark and Greta are more supportive. That afternoon at a dinner party at her home, Greta falls asleep at the table. <laughs> She dreams of herself snapping at her mother and ranting over her controlling nature before Freddy arrives, tuxedo and all, and forces Greta to eat herself alive before choking her in front of a laughing audience. In the real world, Greta falls down dead in front of her mother and their guest. Yvonne and Alice visit Mark, who is grieving Greta's death, and a rift forms between them. Mark falls asleep and is nearly killed by Freddy, but Alice saves him before seeing Jacob again. Jacob hints that she is his mother. Alice requests that Yvonne gets her an early ultrasound and discovers Freddy is using Jacob as a conduit to attack her friends even when she's awake and he's been feeding his his victim to him like himself. I mean, weird. Kind of weird. Yvonne's definitely made this movie worth watching. Her and Alice. I like those two I, a lot. Yes, I did like Yvonne. Yvonne and Dan's parents still believe Alice is crazy. Dan's parents insist that she give them the baby when it's born, which Alice refuses. Alice and Mark research Kruger and the nun Amanda, realizing Amanda was trying to stop Freddy. They investigate her whereabouts and Alice goes to sleep, hoping to find Amanda at the asylum. While there, Freddy lures her away by threatening Yvonne, who has fallen asleep in a jacuzzi. 
Alice rescues Yvonne, who finally believes her. Yeah, I'd probably believe her too if Freddy just came out of my hot tub. Mark falls asleep and is pulled into a comic book world where Freddy slashes him apart. Well, we should say Super Freddy. On steroids. Yeah. It's the first time another actor played Freddy Krueger. Really? Mm-hmm. I just figured it was him and he just had a suit on. No, I believe, like a it's, a, I believe it's a stunt double. Oh. Alice goes to bed to find Freddy and save her son. Realizing Freddy has been hiding in her every time she falls asleep, she draws Freddy out within herself. In some decent special effects, finally, in this movie... Yvonne finds Amanda's remains at the asylum and joins the fight in the dream world, encouraging Jacob to use the power Freddy has been giving him. Jacob destroys Freddy, and his infant form is absorbed by his mother, while Alice picks up a baby Jacob. Warning Alice away, Amanda seals Freddy away in time. Several months later, Jacob Daniel Johnson is enjoying a picnic with his mother, grandfather, and Yvonne. Some children jumping rope nearby are humming Freddy's rhyme. Wow. So we'll get into the cast. Like I said, it wasn't one of my favorites. No. Lisa Wilcox is Alice Johnson. Another great job. Another great job. Stephen Hopkins was keen for Wilcox to return as Alice, feeling that her story from the previous installment remained incomplete. Whilst Wilcox received top billing in the opening credits, her name was accidentally omitted from the end credits. The character of Alice is more assertive in this film compared to its parole. That's the point. She was building her character in the last film. Mm -hmm. Robert England as Freddy Krueger, an asylum inmate. He made a little cameo on makeup. Freddy's biological father in the asylum. He was also a waiter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> England's makeup was refined again by the film by Howard Berger to make Freddy look older than in previous installments. It didn't really work. Kelly Jo Minter as Yvonne Miller. She was a surprise. She was so good in that movie. According to director Stephen Hopkins in the 2010 documentary Never Sleep Again, he cast Minster at, at Minster Min- Minter. Minter, thank you. As she rocked, she was a real firebrand. Minter enjoyed acting in the film, but found her diving scenes near the end challenging, as she was suffering from food poisoning at the time. Oh, wow. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) Erica Anderson as Greta Gibson. Greta's character is that of a model who is constantly having to watch her diet. Anderson's death scene, where she is force-fed by Kruger, required the actress to undergo a lengthy makeup process, and the final scene was severely cut to comply with the MPAA. Huh. Wow. I wonder what else was in that. I know. Danny Hassel returned as Dan Jordan. They don't have, like, uncut scenes or... Sometimes you can find out. My DVDs don't, though. Mm. Beatrice Boeple as Amanda Kruger. Whit Hartford as Jacob Johnson. So he played the kid, Jake. Jacob. He was pretty good. Yeah. He was 11 when they cast him. He did a pretty good job for an 11-year-old. Joe Seeley as Mark Gray. The comic book fan. 
Nicholas Millet as Dennis Johnson. He plays Alice's father, who needs, who's feeling the need for speed. If I heard that one more fucking time in that movie. Ah, all right. So, do we want to do the scores now, or we want to finish production? Let's do production. All right. Production. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, was released in 1988 and quickly became a financial success and the highest grossing film in the Elm Street series up to that point. With the production of the TV spinoff Freddy's Nightmares taking place as well as a plethora of merchandise available, the profile of the franchise was at its highest point thus far. Yeah, 1988. I remember Freddy's Nightmares very... It's hard to find them now. Because they're so out of print, and you have to find like the right region oh. and everything. And I think there was like three seasons. There could have been more. Ah, screenwriter Leslie Bohem, as interviewed in the 2010 documentary Never Sleep Again, originally pitched the basic storyline for The Dream Child to New Line executives during pre-production for Nightmare on Elm Street 3. New Line executive Sarah Reicher was pregnant at the time and took exception to the idea of a newborn Freddy Krueger clawing his way out of a woman's womb. I guess she would. <laughs> After giving birth, Reicher herself started to think about the storyline and realized that teenagers who had watched the original Elm Street film in 1984 were now starting to grow up and have their families, prompting the development of Dream Child in 1988. Pre-production on Part 5 was challenging, primarily due to the frequent changing script. Director Stephen Hopkins recalled that the bulk of the final film came from Leslie Boehm's script, although John Skip and Craig Spector also added material, causing the Writers Guild of America to intervene when deciding who should ultimately be credited for the film. Boehm's original draft had Alice and her friends rehearsing a school performance of Medea and Was, in his own words, very weird. Director Hopkins was keen for the film to have more gothic imagery. And did he pour gothic imagery into this? What the hell was with that asylum? What is this, Castle Dracula in the middle of Springwood, Ohio? What the fuck? I understand it's it's not one of my favorites. I understand it's a dream, but whatever. The final editing on the film was challenging due to the demands made by the MPAA. Was gothic big then? No. I don't think so. In order to reduce the on-screen violence, blood, and gore. The most altered sequences were those for Dan and Greta, which were edited down several times before the film could be theatrically released with an R rating in the USA. <sighs> Box Office. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, was released on August 11, 1989, in 1902 theaters in North America. On the first weekend, the film opened $8.1 million, falling behind Parenthood, $9.7 million. That was a great movie. Have you ever seen that with Steve Martin? Oh, yes. With all the families together? Yes. Keanu Reeves? And James Cameron's The Abyss, $9.3 million. Wow. So it came in third. The film ranked eighth at the second weekend box office with revenue of $3.6 million. And it dropped out of the top 10 list, ranked at 11th and 14th on the 3rd and 4th weekends. Respectively, overall, the film grossed $22.1 million at the box office. And the movie only cost, I wrote this down this time, it was an $8 million budget and grossed $22.1 million. So it made money. 
Yeah, I would say so. Anytime you triple your money, it's good. The film is the highest grossing slasher film released in 1989. It is currently the second lowest grossing Nightmare on Elm Street film. The film ranked number 43 of the top 50 highest grossing films released in 1989 and 37 of all slasher films cataloged by Box Office Mojo. Oh, 37th. Wow. The film was released on VHS and Laserdisc on December 20th, 1989. Remember that? It released in August, and it took it that long. I remember waiting so long for a Jurassic Park to come out on VHS. It took forever. Reception was missed. Mixed. The review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes reports as a 31% approval rating and an average rating of 4.12 out of 10 based on 32 reviews. I'm sure it's got more reviews now, but it's in the middle of the road. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. There was a lot they could have did differently. A lot they could have changed. But uh, before we get into the fun facts over here, we're going to do our scoring. So, for cast, I enjoyed the cast. I did. I thought the acting was good. Yes, they did a good job. Yvonne and Alice together was great. Even Jacob did good. Jacob he was, was great. Jacob did really good. So let's give our score for cast. Five blood splats. Pretty cool for the cast. Nice. All right. So fear factor. There could be some scary moments to this for the average viewer. Um, Greta, some kind of a couple jump scares here and there. Yes. So I'm going to leave it at about a three for fear factor. Yes. Three blood splats. Very nice. Plot. I'm giving it a three. Just because, really, it brought the backstory in a little bit. Amanda was there. Amanda conquered Mm -hmm. Freddy this time. So it had a decent plot, but there was a lot of horrible things in between. So I'm going, I'm keeping it a nice even three. Score. What score? All you heard was The Undertaker coming. Bong. Yes. Bong. Like, you, if you're a WWF fan, you'd be excited because here comes The Undertaker. But it's a movie. That's the only score. There was no music in it. Yeah, there really wasn't. Terrible. The next movie's got some good music in it. I'm excited. All right, moving on. Special effects. There were some really good ones. And some, and some horrible oh, ones. Awful. Terrible. Very awful. The stop motion. I don't know why they went with stop motion animation. And what made me laugh. I laughed through a couple of them. They were so bad. They were terrible. The so, skateboard and the motorcycle. and That skateboard was awesome. It had a Freddy glove on the back of it. Oh, that's true. I'm talking about the mold in the refrigerator with oh, all the food yes. going. The yes. diving board scene. The fake-ass spiders all over the place. Yeah. Ugh, terrible. All right, so special effects, we gave it to... The motorcycle going away when he was on it. That was cool, though. I thought it was very... It was weird, but it was well done. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. (laughs) She didn't like it. All right, so... We don't have to agree on everything. After doing the math, we're giving it a two overall. Uh, yes. 
So that, that takes care of the scoring for this. All right, let's run into fun facts. This is the second and last time the character of Amanda Kruger's sister, Mary Helena, appears in the film series. Her first appearance was in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and was played by Nan Martin. The graduation sequence was cut down significantly to speed up the pacing of the film. As a result, there are several continuity errors. Among the cut footage was Dan's graduation speech. Yeah, they kind of cut into the end of the speech. Yes. Where we blew this pop stand. Dialogue between Greta and Racine. A rap between Yvonne, Alice, and Greta. Additional dialogue about parents and future plans. And a scene in which Alice's father gives her a camera she had been saving up for as a graduation present before she went to Paris. See, that would have been cool. That would have been cute. If you watch closely, you can see Alice hand her father a camera before they go to take the group picture. Yes. Oh. Stephen Hawkins was given just four weeks to shoot and a further four weeks to edit the film. Wow. That meant that he had to shoot on one stage while the crew dressed the other, so they could shoot almost continually. After he made it, the studio was so impressed that he was given the task of directing Predator 2, 1990, which is strange considering that this movie was released by New Line Cinema and Predator 2 was released by 20th Century Fox. Hmm. Interesting. Stephen King and comic book writer Frank Miller were offered the job of writing and directing this movie. That would have been... Probably would have had a lot less Castle Draculas and bong, bong, bong. And it was just in the the background. It wasn't even when Freddy was coming. (sighs) When Alice wakes up from her nightmare in the asylum, and one of the deranged Weston Hills patients who's portrayed by Robert England appears beside her in bed and pins her down, originally he said, there's no such thing as safe sex. (laughs) (laughs) The line was excised from the film. Of course it was. The final A Nightmare on Elm Street film until Freddy vs. Jason to feature the Jump Rope Kids singing the Freddy's rhyme. Uh, so it wasn't in uh, Freddy's Dead or Wes Craven's New Nightmare. During the sweet During the sequence in which the nun Amanda is raped by the criminally insane, Robert England is wandering around the background with his Freddy makeup, including one shot in which the camera lingers on him for a few seconds. Yeah, that doesn't need to be in here. Everyone can see that. The laughter heard at the end, right before the credits roll, is a clip of Vincent Price laughing at the end of Michael Jackson's song Thriller. Price's laughter is sampled at the beginning of Cool Mo D's song Let's Go, which is played during the film's end credits. The only music in the film. That's not true. It says the final A Nightmare on Elm Street film that featured children living in Springwood. Freddy's dead, the main actor is from Springwood. So you're wrong. Eric Singer, former drummer for Alice Cooper, Black Sabbath, and Badlands, and currently the Kiss drummer, makes a cameo as one of the band members on the TV show. Hmm. Hmm. 
When Alice and Mark looked through the piles of newspapers for a moment, the camera set on an article regarding Amanda Kruger's death. In this article, producer Robert Shea is quoted as saying, She was a victim of the evil within all of us. I hope she knows, hope she will know peace in the life hereafter. It's crazy the details they do. Like, it was just a paper spill. Ah, the famous song has changed. Original, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. They edited it to, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay awake. Nine, ten, he's back again. Yes, nine, ten, he's back again. Decent. It's still cool, either way. (laughs) It's still creepy as hell. (laughs) Wow. If you were a Nightmare on Elm Street fan looking at the poster in 1988 and 1989, you're probably curious what the heck Dream Child meant and what was going on with the fetus and the crystal ball and the Freddy glove. Well, the people making the film thought the same, too. The poster came out before they actually had an idea of what the movie was going to be about and promising this thing. Oh, um, it's a stroller now, not a fetus. Yeah, I was just <laughs> looking at the port. I'm like, where is it? <laughs> the end credit song, Let's Go, by Cool No D, was actually a diss track to LL Cool J. The two rappers were feuding at the time this film was being made. Huh. The actor of Mark wanted Mark to be a goth guy. I think they should have had a goth guy. Goth. Goth. Goth? Goth guy. I mean, it was the time. That's when it started rolling out. Yeah. I think it would have made more sense. 1989 marks the only year entries from the three biggest slasher franchises of the decade. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween were released in the same year. Yeah, really? Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Never saw it. It's a Jason, Friday the 13th movie. I think I may have saw four of them, and that was it. Oh, you're in for a treat for our next election. You better hope Hauntsine gets here. (laughs) (laughs) And Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, which a lot of people hate, but I kind of enjoyed. I've seen all the Halloweens. Yep, you've seen all the screams. Yeah. I just, I don't do Freddy. We all know that. This is Freddy. I mean, I don't, I don't do, I'm as bad as you tonight. I don't do Jason. That's funny. I don't do Jason. On the door to Dr. Moore's office, just below his name, the name Dr. Talalay can be seen. This is a reference to Rachel Talalay, who had been involved with the franchise since the beginning in various capacities, most notably directing Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. This movie and Freddy's Revenge have direct product placement by Body Glove in them. I've seen that. It was on the bus in Freddy's too. Yes. It was. I noticed that. Robert England and Lisa Wilcox appeared together in Fear Clinic 2009. To check that out. I never saw that. Yeah. 
When Mark is lying on the floor through looking through comic books, he picked up the one titled Nightmares from Hell. You can actually buy copies of them. In the upper left corner, there is KC in capital letters above the 50 cent price indicator. This could stand for Kruger Comics. It does. It does. This film is the fifth and final A Nightmare on Elm Street released in the 1980s. Wow. Yep. In this film, Freddy Krueger says bitch twice. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> the film was released in 1989, but set in 1992. They were all kind of a year up. Oh, that's pretty cool. In the original script, Alice's friends were named Dean, Jen, and Ginger. And they were later changed to Mark, Greta, and Yvonne. I like those names better. I do too. Ginger? Ginger. Well, that's all the fun facts we got for you. So again, we gave this movie, overall, a two. Nothing to write home about. I'm excited about the next one, because... Freddy's Dead. It gets a lot of hate, but it has a lot of stuff I like. A ton of backstory. Horrible 3D. <laughs> they did a shit job with the 3D. And good acting. I mean, other than the kid from Road Trip, I can't think of his name right now. Everyone else did a good job. He was piss poor in that movie. Well, according to the poster, they saved the best for last. Well, it's one of my favorites. Freddie was hilarious in it, and it's my favorite makeup and glove. Well, actually, I like the Freddie vs. Jason glove. That thing's monstrous. But, that wraps up the episode. Make sure you head over to F13, the mini convention, Friday the 13th mini convention, Blairstown, New Jersey, Friday, May 13th, Saturday, May 14th. We would see you there, but we'll be coming back from our honeymoon, which is... Well overdue. Yes. Stupid COVID. Stupid COVID. <laughs> that website again is f13minicon.eventbrite.com. And I'll leave one a link in the description so it's easy to get sure. to. Or you have to buy tickets online. More likely, yeah. They're already announcing hosts, so make sure you follow them on Facebook. It's all presented by Horror365. Our friends at the Horror365 podcast do a hell of a job. I watch every time, try and help them out where I can. But that's all we make sure you get to these haunts. We got Field of Screams, Brighton Asylum. I'm sure there's a few more in your area that are popping up. We're excited. We can't wait to get to one. We're going to St. Patty's Day, right? Yes, we are going to St. Patty's Day at um, Field of Screams. Remember the date on that or not? I do not. It's March. It's so March. We'll have an episode with I all the... I want to say 15th, but I may be. It's a Saturday. Yeah. We'll have a, uh episode set up for all the St. Uh, St. Patty's Days, too, coming up. Yes. Well, that's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed the new format. I had a ton of fun making it. A lot of cursing. A lot of mice throwing. <laughs> but I think it looks dope. What do you think? It does. You did a nice job. Yeah, so 
I'm glad you're happy with your new computer. <laughs> yeah. It's so nice to be able to do stuff. It's quick. It is quick. But that's all we have for you today at HalloweenHaunts365.com, the podcast where every day is haunt season. Goodbye. Bye.